gave me this voice. It's just a booming voice. And I, I got a little uh, great-grandchild that's got one too. They say they inherited it from me. But I've got a great message for you today. Uh, I want to tell you a little quick story before we get into the message. It's a simple passage of Scripture, John 10, 10, if you want to look it up. But I was in a church in 1961. I was not saved. It was a small church, about half the size of this church. And for the first time in my life, I heard the gospel. And the Holy Spirit took the Word of God and quickened it to my spirit. And I was spiritually enlightened and was saved that night. I did not know anything about altar calls. I didn't know anything about going and making my decision public. I knew nothing about all of that. We had a missionary in the church from Chile. He preached a whole week. Back in the days when we had full week revivals, he preached a whole week. And in that week, there wasn't a single decision that he knew about. But I got saved. He never even knew I got saved. Many, many, many years later, I saw a picture of him and didn't even recognize him. It wasn't the man, it was the message. And when the message went forth, God quickened it to my heart, and I was born again. I'm kind of on a high this morning because yesterday, at about this same time, I was preaching at Tommy Birchfield's Men's Advance, and there were over a 1,000 men there. And when I gave the invitation, it's been a while in my ministry since I've seen this happen. When I gave the invitation, over a 100 men came to receive Christ. Isn't that wonderful? And then we had about 35 or more that surrendered to preach. And then we had that many or more that were filled with the Holy Spirit and and begin to praise the Lord in tongues. So we just really had a meeting. So the glow still kind of on me. So if I'm a little uh, funny looking this morning, <laughs> you, might, you might know why. But I've got a powerful message that changed my life many long years ago, about 1984, after I was already saved, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Ghost, all of those things, received the anointing of God, God did something through a man that really helped me and blessed my life. God uses people. He uses others to bless us. But in John 10 and 10, the simple words that Jesus said, he said, I have come that you might have what? Life. And that you might have it more abundantly. So I want to talk to you today about something that maybe you've already got a grasp on, but maybe you haven't. But if you haven't, I'm praying today this is going to happen to you. The Bible tells us in John 20 that after Jesus had arisen from the grave, recently we, we celebrated his resurrection, when he arose from the grave, Mary Magdalene, remember, came to him and wanted to touch him because she loved him so much. She thought he was the gardener. He revealed himself to her. And then he reached out, she reached out to touch him, and he said, don't touch me because I've not yet ascended to my father, but I'm going to ascend to my father. So then he ascends to the father, and you, if you've never caught this, I want you to catch it today. This is a great revelation for you, for every one of us. He goes up and he makes the final atonement on the mercy seat in heaven, and he just can't wait to get back. 
You know why he can't wait to get back? He came back the same day. Ten of the apostles were in a, in a room. They were there gathered together. I don't know if they were in confusion, if they were praying. I don't know what they were doing, but they were gathered. Thomas wasn't there. It was eight days later before Thomas got the blessing because he was doubting and he wasn't there. But God blessed the doubters and the shouters. Amen. But they were gathered there and suddenly Jesus appears in the room. You remember that? If you've been to the Passion Play, you, you've seen them how they portray that. Now, do you know why Jesus came into that room and why he was in such a hurry to get from heaven back to the earth after making that final atonement in heaven for man's sin? It was because when Jesus entered that room, he did something that had never been done in the history of mankind on the earth going all the way back to Adam. The Bible says, He breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. You remember that? Do you know what He really did? He marked on those ten apostles a brand new identity. An identity that no human being had really ever had before. Now, we had the great prophets of the Old Testament, and we had the Old Testament Christians, but they did not walk constantly, 24-7, in the identity of Christ because he had not yet paid for man's sin. So what happened was, when he came back and he breathed on them, the Bible says he, he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit, Right then and there, they became new creatures in Christ. They were the first fruits of the new birth. They were born again. Now, it was their spirit man that was born again. And then the, he, he does a strange thing. He would not let them go out. He didn't let them go preach. Rather, he said, tear ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. And yet, if you re read a few chapters before that, you will find where he sent the 70 out. He sent the 12 out. Why did he do that? Why, why is, is there a contradiction in the Bible here? No, 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 no. Before this time, they were sent out to preach the gospel of the kingdom. You read it in your Bibles. Every time they went out, they preached the gospel of the kingdom. These were Jewish people. And at that time, the gospel, Jesus came first to his own. He came to his own first. And he revealed the truth to them, and his own received him not. Remember that? But to as many as received him, to them gave he power, power to become the sons and daughters of God. So he breathes on them. They receive the Holy Spirit. He tells them to tarry in Jerusalem. On the day of Pentecost, things changed. Now they have a new identity in Christ, and now everywhere they go, Jesus goes. Did you know that as a born-again Christian, you have the same identical identity that Jesus had? Jesus is in you. Now you have a new way of living, a new way of speaking, now, I mentioned the spirit man. Well, 
This is the truth. We are a spirit. One thing that is true about every human being has ever been on this earth, we all have eternal spirits. And that means we go into eternity forever. Now, we either go to heaven or we go to hell. Depending on what we do with Christ Jesus, when the gospel is preached, your pastor's been in Africa training preachers to go out to do what? Preach the gospel so that people can hear the gospel. How can they hear unless they have a preacher? How can they go unless they be sent? Now, as I'm giving you this illustration, I want to let you meditate upon this. You have an eternal spirit. I am not the kind of prophet that could stand up here and tell you who's saved and who's not saved in the audience. There's been a few times that God would let me know that. But this morning, I don't know who's saved and who's not saved. Only you know that and God knows that, whether you're truly born again or not. But once you're born again, your spirit man has taken on the identity of Christ, and that's the only identity that you are to relate to. This is what happens to us. People affect us. People take our soulish man. Now, our soulish man is simply our personality. And people affect our surroundings, our parents, our friends, our peers that we're with on the job or at school. They affect our personalities. People say things that we accept that we should never, ever accept. You only accept what Jesus says about you. You don't accept what somebody else, what your parents or somebody else. Now, a lot of parents encourage their children all the time. But if we're not careful, and rather than speaking a blessing, people can speak curses on us. And if we're not careful, we'll receive some of that. Well, I'm less. I'm not as good. I, I don't have the ability. I can't do it. That's all hogwash. God never saved anybody that he didn't give gifts to and equip. He leaves nobody out. There's no one in the world like you. Did you know that? There's nobody else that's ever lived that has the exact combination of the 22 spiritual gifts, there must be billions of ways that those can be combined together. And God has combined them in you. So, you must walk, if you're going to have power in your life, in your identity. My identity, listen to me, folks. My identity is not in sin. Jesus did not identify me once he saved me as a sinner. Did you know he took you out of the category of sinner and put you into the category of saint? We're the saints of God. Why in the world would a saint of God identify with sin? Now, if you get to identifying with sin, you know what you're going to do? You're going to sin. I'm not identified in pornography. I'm not identified in adultery. I'm not identified in lying and stealing and killing and gossiping. That's not my identity. I will not receive that identity. My identity is in Jesus. And when my soulish man begins to take on that identity, guess what happens? The powers of Christ begin to work through us.
awesome powers. General William Booth, who started the Salvation Army, made the statement once, the world is yet to see what two or three people totally, completely surrendered to Christ can do. There's so much potential. You know how much potential God has wrapped up in you? All potential. His perfect will. This is how I live my life. I've been living my life this way since I learned this, oh, I don't know, three or four decades ago. I've been preaching over 50 years. This is how I, how I live. I pray. And sometimes I just keep on praying. And then sometimes I run out of something to pray about. You ever do that? So then that's why I start praying in the Spirit. And I'll just pray in the Spirit. I say, Lord, I know you're trying to tell me something. You want me to do something. And I just keep on praying. I pray in the Spirit. And did you know, sometimes it, it happens in an hour, and sometimes it happens in three days. But God will give me revelation, and he'll give you revelation. So I pray, and then I obey. That's too simple, isn't it? I mean, I thought this Christian life was complicated. I'm telling you, I hear some preaching today, I think, man, that's so complicated. Until I, if I tried to get all those things in a row in my life, I'd have to memorize them all day long. I, God, you called me to win souls. I don't want to spend my life trying to go through all these formulas. God didn't make all those formulas for you. He just said, pray and obey. That's what Jesus did. Amen? He prayed, and God spoke to him, and he obeyed. Now, when you were born again, if you've been born again, God is like an umbrella. He put an umbrella over your life. And that umbrella is his identity. And that identity is already working in your spirit. You already have it in your spirit, and you positionally have it in your soulish man and in your body. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, that everybody that's sick is because they're not right with God. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. These earthly bodies, are everything that God has made, the devil has defiled it. Everything the devil has defiled, God's going to make new. But we already have a new spirit, amen? And now he's, he's wanting us to have a new personality. He wants to take you with your personality and perfect it with his identity in your personality so that you can walk in that identity. I'm telling you, when you walk in your identity, people, they can do anything they want. They can fire shots at you. They can say critical things about you. You can say, well, God bless you, brother. That's not my identity. My identity's in Jesus. In Jesus. Now, I'm not going to preach too long because I want to have time for the invitation, and, and I know that the mind cannot receive more than the seat can endure. So, so I, you know, my, my sermons are kind of like sausages. I can cut them off anywhere I want to. But I'm going to preach just my little time and save some room for, for you to get out here by 12. Amen? Because something happens at 12 o'clock. I don't know what happens, but something happens at 12 o'clock. But what I want to tell you, it's like an umbrella. And there, there are ribs to an umbrella. I looked this, actually looked this up on the Internet. You know, what holds an umbrella up? The, the little ribs. They call, they, that's what they call them on the Internet, anyhow. The, the little things that, 
metal things that when you push it up, you know, there they all are. Well, God's got an umbrella over you. And he's got an umbrella over me. And you want him to have that umbrella over your children. Now, there's some ribs on that, and I'm going to give you a few. This is one of the ways that you walk in your identity. You come to a place in your life where God wants you totally dependent on him. I'm talking about your whole dependence is on him. As you depend on him, he loves that. When I was going through a university, a state university one time, one of the professors got up and said, Christianity is a crutch. And I found out later he got a divorce because he was drinking so much and somebody went into the apartment where he lived and he just trashed. And I thought, brother, you need a crutch. We all need a crutch. Let him that thinketh, he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. And that's what happened to that professor. My crutch is Jesus. My crutch is my identity in Christ. It is not about me. It's about him. It's not about you. It's about him. But he loves you. So this is what he says to you. You pray. You pray. Like it all depends on God. And then you work. Are you hearing me? I know I don't like that word either, work. But you work like it all depends on you. But you got that prayer going. Now you're willing to go because the command of God for my life and your life is go. Go in the highways and hedges. It's constantly God talking about going. Every time you see Jesus giving a commission, it's about going. Your pastor's going. Amen. So God commands us to go. This is what it says in Ecclesiastes 9 and 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do with all thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. You know what Jesus said about work? Jesus said in John 9 and 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. What a joy it is to be able to work. Some of our healings can come when we get up and get going. Amen. My back went out on me a, a few years ago. And I went to the doctor. We, went, did, we did it all, those uh, scans and x-rays and all of that set, and and I went in and sat down with this famous uh, back doctor, and he said, uh, you got five vertebrae down low, and what's happening is they're wearing out. I said, well, what do I do? He said, don't have a back operation. Well, I had, I'd never had one. <laughs> I didn't have a back operation. He'd been practicing 50 years. He's retired now. And he, he said, just don't have a back operation. You know, you, you know why they call them back operations? Because you've got to go back. And back, one man in my church went back five times. He's still been all over. Now, I'm not saying don't have a back operation. I'm just saying I prayed. And so uh, I, I said, Lord, what, what's the problem here? And he said, get to moving. Your back wasn't, hurt you, wasn't hurting you when you got to moving. So I got to moving. I got to exercising. I got to walking. 
I got to doing all kinds of things, just moving and bending down, all that sort of thing. And, you know, and so when, when you do that, guess what happens? The fluid started coming back in those things. I, I, I would love to have God just zap me with some kind of healing and boom, it's all over with. And I've seen him do that, but he didn't choose to do that. Why? Because he wanted me going and working and moving. Does it ever bother you anymore? Yes. It's a constant reminder that God wants me to get up and not be lazy and get to going. Amen. God doesn't bless a lazy person. God doesn't bless a lazy preacher. You got to go. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're amening. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's a lot easier to go sit down, you know, and watch the, the big tube and enjoy all of those things. All right. Jesus said unto them, my goal, my meat, my, my desire, the will of God for me who sent me is that I finish his work. Jesus was never a lazy man. Number two, totally surrender your life to Christ. Do you know how much joy there is when you totally surrender your life to the Lord? Uh, your pastor's not here, but I, I want to tell you, I pastored my last church 32 years. I love the people. I, but I want you to know nobody in the world but a pastor knows what a pastor has to go through. So I said, Lord, I don't understand all this. I, I was trying to help people. That's what I was trying to do, trying to get them saved, trying to minister to them. One, at one point in time, I, I thought, well, Lord, I, here, here are all these people. I witnessed to them. I, I've been their pastor. I know they're saved. But, boy, they're eaten up with trouble. I mean, they just got the mully grubs. And so I, I thought, well, I read the Bible. I thought, well, the, the answer is in the Word of God. I knew it was in the Word of God. The answer, well, the answer, I'll just get those demons out of them. So, man, I, I found out, let me tell you, you do have authority over those demons. And you can cast them out, and I would, and I did. But they came right back. I thought, well, Lord, now, wait a minute now. I cast them out and they come back. I cast them out and they come back. What's the answer to this? And I, I, was, I was not frustrated with the Lord. I was frustrated with trying to help the people. And then something happened one day. That's, the, that's what birthed this message I'm preaching to you today. We'd bought a seminary, a Catholic seminary. That's where the church is now located. And I was walking across the, the street in front of the office to meet a man the man had come to cut down some trees for us, and I'd never seen him before in my life. And I got close to the drive, and he was coming from the other side, and God spoke to me and said, this man is to teach you. Now, I'd had, at that time, five years of theological training. I finally began later on because we had a seminary, went on and had to get my master's and doctorate and all that stuff, whatever it's worth, and it's worth something. But the Lord told me, this man is to teach you. I didn't even know if the guy was saved or not. But I obeyed the Lord. Huh? I went and I obeyed the Lord and I said, Sir, you may think I'm absolutely nuts, 
but God just told me that you're to teach me. And he said to me, I wonder why I drove all the way from Livingston, Texas, down here to Lumberton, Texas, to bid on a few trees. And he came to my house. He came to my house for three months, five days a week, two to three hours every day. He took the New Testament, took me back through the New Testament, and he taught me about identification in Christ. I tried to buy him a meal. I tried to pay for his gas. He wouldn't take a dime. When he got through teaching me, he left. I've never seen him again. But he taught me about identification. Don't ever think you're so smart somebody else can't teach you. I don't care if you got 10 PhDs. Somebody else can teach you. And that man taught me how to walk in my identity in Christ. And that blessed me so that I could be absolutely in victory 24-7. It didn't make any difference what was happening in the church. It made no difference what people were saying, what people were doing. I was in victory. Didn't matter what happened. Because I learned you walk in your identity in Christ. Now, next. Don't tell me you don't have abilities. Don't tell me you don't have talents. Because you do have a combination of these gifts. How do I know, Pastor? How do I know what my gifts are? Let me tell you how you know. What do you like? What does he really like to do? If you could do, as a Christian, what you really wanted to do, what would you do? Some people say to me, well, I would work with children. Then go work with children because that's what God's called you to do. It's not hard to figure out the call of God. It really is, and you don't have to spend 20 years trying to figure out what God's called you to do. Do what you like to do because God put the like in you. God doesn't want you doing something you don't like to do. Some, a preacher told me one time, he said, when God called me to preach, I ran down, and I made it public because I was afraid I, I would back out because I wouldn't like it. God called me to preach. I said, man, where am I going to preach? Believe it or not, when God called me to preach, I had no place to preach. A friend of mine has gone on to heaven now, a preacher, uh, called me and said, they're going to have an early youth meeting. I want you to preach the early youth meeting. Right here in Beaumont, Texas. Then he called me just before the youth meeting and said they called it off. Not enough young people to come. So they called it off. Now I'm full of preach and no place to preach. So I was a youth pastor at that time in a little old bitty church in Terrell Park. And so I got on a telephone call all my young people. I said, y'all meet me at church. We're fixing to have a service. And so I drove to the church on the way. There was two boys riding a little motor scooter. And I, I said, you boys meet me at the church. Fixing to have a service. They came to the church. Did you know I preached and three got saved and those two, boy got, two boys riding that motorcycle got saved? And did you know they were Mormons? <laughs> God said, go. I preached a thousand men last night or yesterday morning. But I preached to one before in a rescue mission, and he was so drunk, his head was bobbling the whole time I was preaching. But I preached to him. 
I preached to another one in a rescue mission in, in, uh, uh, way up in, in Louisiana, Shreveport, Louisiana. And at the end of the service, a man came down the aisle. He had, he had a beard, but it, but it was a full-colored beard. He, he was young, but he had, he, was, he had gotten on wine. And he came down, and God just did a, a revolution in his life. He got a new identity. And you know what he said to me? He said, I got a wife and three kids, and I'm going home. Isn't that wonderful? Let me tell you, God wants to use you. Next. Got a bunch of scriptures, but I don't have time for all of them. You'll find it in the Word if you, if you, if you want it. Have big dreams. Housewives, moms, grandmoms, have big dreams. Sir, have big dreams. Did you know I have learned that it's just as easy, just as easy to believe God for big things as it is for little things? Now, I want to tell you one quick story. I had a real burden some years ago. I wanted early when I, I was a full-time evangelist for seven years before I became the pastor of the last church. I've been back in evangelism for four years now, but I was 32 years there. I've been preaching 50 years. Pastored three churches while I was going through Bible school and, 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 and seminary and all of that. But God told me I wanted to go to Dallas. And I wanted to get where the millions of people were. You know, you can go fish out of the ocean and you catch more fish than you do out of a pond. So that's, that was my desire, and I was praying in Corpus Christi. I was in a revival, and I was in a motel room praying. I said, God, tell me what to do. You know, remember, pray and obey. He said, I want you to go home, and I want you to reach southeast Texas. So I went home, and I was trying to reach southeast Texas for seven years. Seven years. I chose partners to go with me. There might be one or two in this audience that used to go with me. Four nights a week, two hours each night. I went out and witnessed. I'd knock on doors, tell people. This is what I'd tell them. God's called me to reach southeast Texas. I'm pastoring this church. I need your help. You know, I didn't even ask them if they were saved and I'd get under the gospel. They'd get saved. Some of them would say, well, you know, Mom, what do you think? Go help this young man. I said, that's a young man. <laughs> and they said, well, let's go help him. For before long, I had 600 people in the church. Went on to 1,000 in the church. But... I came to a point of frustration again. I said, Lord, I have knocked on 5,000 doors. It's taken me seven years to do it. Half those people have moved out and other people have moved in. And you told me to reach southeast Texas. And I hadn't even got out of Lumberton. What am I going to do? And he said, television. I said, duh. Now listen to me. This is what God will do when... He says, go if you'll go. I was doing all I knew to do. I was going and knocking on doors. So I stopped there on the parking lot. I was going to the parsonage, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, I don't know how to start a television ministry. I know nothing about television. But you told me to do it, so I know you're going to do it. God is my witness. Two hours later, I'm back in my office there's a knock at the door, and this big burly guy with a all messed up face, scarred all up, been a green beret in his early life. I don't know if any of you ever remember our gang, the little rascals on 
on TV and on the movies. Y'all, any, any of y'all ever heard of the little rascals? Or he was Butch, the little mean one. Anyhow, he said, I was in your service last week. And he said, God told me, he said, I've got $250,000 worth of video equipment. He said, God told me that I was to video your services. If you'll pray for the air, pay for the airtime, we'll put you on television. Two hours later. So we get, on, we get on television. We're on at 6 o'clock in the morning for a whole hour. And we, we had a master control. I, I don't think CNN has a bigger master control than we had. And I'm telling you, for the first three months we were on television, my sincere prayer was, God, don't let anybody see this. <laughs> I was in diamonds and circles and squares and wipes and swipes and his teenage son was running the mixer, you know, and, but 27 years later, we're still on television. 27 years later, I'm reaching southeast Texas, Houston, Galveston, all this part of the country. I'm reaching nine foreign countries around the Caribbean Sea. And then finally, after I retired from the pastorate, I just finally got too old to keep up with it. I'm sorry, I couldn't keep the pace anymore. <laughs> and I said, y'all got to get another pastor. I'm worn out. So I went back into evangelism. And God just, it's just it, it, so after I went back into evangelism, I, this is what I said now. I don't have any meetings. I don't have any place to preach. I'm yours, and I belong to you, and you want me to preach somewhere, you open the door. Did you know that numerous times since I retired, I have preached on worldwide television going out to 2.3 billion people. What did I have to do with it? I just walk in my identity. Hallelujah. I'm just as two. Whatever it is that he wants. Okay, now, next. How much time I got left here? You know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm saving some time. I, I've got just a minute or two left here. Realize you're important to God. Do you know how important you are to God? Do you know how important your children and your grandchildren are? Did you know that Grandma, Grandpa, that you can influence those kids and they can grow up and serve the Lord? I got three grown grandsons, six great-grandchildren. Grand, one of my grandsons, yesterday when I got through preaching, I had uh, two of my grandsons and my, and my son-in-law with me, and, and the altars were so full there wasn't any room for anyone else. And, and I, I'd mentioned that God was calling some people to preach, and I don't remember, I think it was 35 or 40 that got called to preach. There was no place for them to get to the altar. And so Brother Tommy got up and said, if you're called to preach, stand up in your seat. And all over the place, men stood up in their seats. They just, they're standing, I mean, they're trying to seat you're in. They're standing up. I thought, oh, I hope none of them fall. And I looked over there, and there was one of my grandsons standing up in his seat, called to preach. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? It may be God, to, yeah, isn't that, give the Lord a hand. It, it may be. It, it just may be that God won't ever put you on a mission field. But it could also be that you will influence somebody in your family, somebody that lives close to you, somebody you know, and they're going to go on that mission field. 
because of your influence, because you obeyed God, because you walked in your identity. Now I'm closing. There's some things, uh, there's some other things I want to tell you. Love and help other people. Don't give up on others. But here's the main thing. You be certain. This is why God sent me here today mainly. You be absolutely, totally certain that you're born again. Not a guess so, hope so, think so salvation. A no so salvation. You make sure of that. And then you be willing to open up to God and say, I want all of you. I'll receive you. I'll receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whatever it is. So I'm going to ask today that we do this. I want to kind of give a general, a general invitation, but also I'll give a specific one when we get here to the altar. If you today would be willing to join me, I want to make a fresh one myself today. Commitment to say, I'm going to, with God's help, walk in my identity in Christ. I love him, and I want to be in his identity. I want you all to get up and come down here. I want to pray over you right now. Just get up and come on. Make your way here. If you're not absolutely certain about your salvation, come on down. If you're a visitor, come down. It includes you. There's the greater church. It's the church of the Lord. It's worldwide. Come on, we're going to pray. Grandma, come on. We're going, we need to pray over you. Grandpa, come on. Come on. We're going to make some confessions. I'm going to speak the blessings of God upon you. When my grandsons were growing up, uh, I cut their hair. Now, what I did, I, I'd get, go to my barber and I'd watch. You know, he'd use his fingers. And, so I learned how to do it the way he did it now. Now, one of them loves his long hair. So I was teaching him. He was there yesterday. He, he's really committed to the Lord, but he likes his long hair, you know. And uh, so I said, but uh, he's got that. But if you let me get a hold of it a little while, <laughs> he wouldn't have it anymore. <laughs> Some of them said, don't let him get a hold of it. <laughs> but... When I would, when I'd cut their hair, you know what I'd do? Put my hands on them and I'd rub their head, and and, and sometimes I'd think they could hear me. I said, "I bless them, I bless them. You're gonna take them and you're gonna use them because because you give me the authority to bless them. You've got the same authority. You can bless your children. Don't curse them. Bless them. I know they act so bad sometimes. You know you want to wring their necks, but before you wring their necks, put your hands on them and bless them. Bless them. Just bless them. Amen." Okay, we're going to make this confession first. This is not for everyone at the altar. This is just some at the altar, some in the, art, in the congregation. If you say, Lord, I'm not 100% positive. Those of you who are positive, you just keep your hands down. I'm not 100% totally positive and totally satisfied. I have doubts about my salvation. I want to clear that up forever today. Nobody's looking but me. So right now, say this with me. I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I'm a sinner, but I choose today to repent. God will grant you that repentance. And I make sure of my salvation. I receive you right this moment into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart, saving me and forgiving me. I receive the baptism with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you prayed that, raise your hand.